Welcome to our podcast, We're Not So Different. I'm Samira. And I'm Ali. We're two professionals having real conversations about our experiences at home, work, and out in the community. We tell our stories through the lens of our different backgrounds to just find out that we're not so different. In our podcast, we'll explore ways that we can improve engagement and bridge social gaps while trying to find the humor in it all. Check us out on social media at WNSDifferent or email us at WNSDifferent at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us once again on We're Not So Different. This episode is all about cultural assimilation, but actually we want to focus on a specific aspect of cultural assimilation. Uh, One thing that we hear a lot when we talk about assimilating is there is a difference between people who are already here Mm -hmm. and assimilating into dominant culture and people who come here from other places. And we think about things like, you know, do you fully assimilate to the dominant culture? Do you try to keep pieces of your own culture? Um, For people that were already here, do you develop a spinoff of the dominant culture for yourself? And this really for this episode, we really want to focus on the term and the idea of being whitewashed. Mm -hmm. And I think now people say white alignment. So in the black community, you're used to people saying you're an Oreo. You're used to people saying you're a sellout when they're going specifically trying to align with the dominant culture. Mm -hmm. But I think now people usually use the term white alignment in some instances. And I think I think there's a little bit of a relationship between the two. Uh, but definitely want to get the different perspectives, at least our different perspectives on it, because you're Iranian, mm-hmm. your parents are from Iran, um, my parents are black, and you know we have slave roots for definitively. So I, I think it'd be good to have that sort of dialogue and conversation about like, okay, what does that mean for the modern day, for the modern day person, and it, does that still exist, right? Mm-hmm. After either integration or after just saying, hey, I'm here now, and I still go to temple or I still go to the mosque or, mm-hmm. you know, I still wear, wear traditional garb. Like, you know, how do you feel about people that go the other way? So I'm going to kick this off with a question Okay. for you because you used to wear hijab. Okay. And I know that you've talked in the past about there was certain treatment that came as a result of that. Yeah. And I don't necessarily want to focus on the treatment so much as I want to focus on when you hear about people doing it and it's not necessarily because they were treated poorly doing what wearing hijab or wearing traditional garb and then going away from that oh, okay so i i, I want to first make a distinction hijab is not a cultural thing it's a religious thing so when you talk about um iranians or arabs or anyone who we as americans just assume are muslim we want to, you know, one one thing that all of us Middle Easterners and North Africans just want to acknowledge is that we are a myriad of different things. Um, and there are subcultures within our cultures, just like, you know, if you live in California, Oakland has a culture. Mm-hmm. Berkeley has its own subculture, even though they're right next to each other versus uh, San Francisco or Emeryville or um, you know, the little town. So everywhere has a, other countries are the same, same way. So, uh, hijab is a religious thing. Iran, however, because the government is an Islamic Republic, 
has made it mandatory to wear a hijab. So even if you're not Muslim, you're required to wear a hijab. Mm. So I just want to make that distinction because we make the mistake of labeling, of crossing those two a lot. There is a culture within Islam and it it is mixed with a lot of the Middle Eastern culture just because it's been there for so long. So there, there is a lot of crossover. So I can see why it's confusing, but I just want to make sure it's clear that wearing hijab isn't necessarily a cultural thing. It's more religious. So for me, why I stopped wearing it, is that really what you want to know or... Only if it's tied specifically to assimilation, right? Only if it's tied... It is. So the reason that I stopped wearing hijab, it was a myriad of reasons. Um, One myriad was economics. I was trying to find a better job and it was very difficult for me to find something because I'm I'm not trained in a specific skill that's needed. For example, I'm not a specific type of engineer mm-hmm. where it's like my skill set is in demand. So therefore that's going to, you know, they're going to hire me regardless of whether I wear a hijab or not, or what I look like because they need my skills. Cool. Right. I'm a business major. I'm, there's a million of people with my resume, <laughs> especially yeah. at that time. So for me, it was more of I lived in Texas. I was getting divorced from my husband. I needed to be able to f- take care of our family. And uh, my job as a pharmacy tech wasn't cutting it. So I needed to move into the business world. And that's what I did. I took off my hijab. I got a job and, and it went from there. And so that was the big part of my story. Now, once I became successful and was there, I kept it off. So mm. that's a different part, right? I could have put it, I can still put it back on if I choose to, but I don't. And here is why I don't. As I've been practicing and growing and getting more engaged with different cultures and communities, my view and my identity has manifest, has transformed okay. from I am a Muslim, I am Iranian to I'm a human. And for me, I just felt like wearing a hijab just puts me in that Muslim box. Got it. Okay. Whereas if I am like the majority of the world and nobody knows what my faith is and nobody can quickly identify me as one because I am, we talked about this before, I am culturally ambiguous a little bit when you look at me. You can't really pinpoint me as an Iranian or a Middle Eastern person. You can assume, but it's not super clear. I feel like it gives me this ability to be more fluid, to talk to people, to help unite more people. I'm able to have much more in-depth, impactful conversations. Whereas when I would wear my hijab, the focus of the conversation was always Islam and the stereotypes of being Muslim. So the focus was on that versus how can we connect as people? How can Mm. we connect to a broader picture? So it was no, it's no longer supporting me in my broader purpose and goal in life so that's kind of why i never really put it back on i still wear it when i go to the mosque or celebrations or if um, i'm in certain community spaces i'll i'll wear it Uh, i have no problem with it and i think now versus back when i used to wear it i mean the options of styles and clothing and i mean it's so even more fashionable (laughs) now so there is like an appealing side to it for me i do feel like that style is is beautiful and stunning but that's really why i haven't 
started putting it back on again. Hmm. I feel like a lot of women who do come here and who choose to stop wearing their hijab or never start to wear a hijab because they were born here. I think it's a lot of that. It's a lot. Some of it is wanting to just fit in Mm -hmm. and not be the one who's being stared at and questioned and feeling like you always have to represent something that you just want to have a normal life. You just want to be left alone um, type of a thing. And a lot of it is also economics. They want the opportunities. They want to be treated as an equal. And there's still a lot of stereotypes that put them down for that. And I think that's, the challenge with assimilating, you know, sometimes you're forced to assimilate yeah. for your own well-being, and sometimes people choose to assimilate, yeah. right? It's just there's that whole kind of idolizing white or Western culture that we see, and it's sometimes just subconscious. It's not intentional. It's all the media and propaganda and yeah. years and years and years of all of this uh, Western world idolatry or, or praising and uh, that has gone on f- in the world it's just in us to assume that that's the right way to be right by calling right. you know natives savages and and you know bad people are uncivilized immigrants are uncivilized and yeah. that always anyone different than this image of uh what it is to be american or white is seen as less than eventually we subconsciously believe that yeah even if even if we don't want to right and that's why it's so important to have fair and equitable representation in all aspects it's important for black people to see doctors and presidents and engineers and lawyers and successful black people so they see that there is more out there for them but if they constantly only see drug dealers and gangbangers as their imagery as their representation they just subconsciously believe that that's that's who they are and that's how they have to be and that's how they have to act yeah no that that's interesting because i was as you were talking i was thinking about you know like you said there there is a component of this where you are doing it to empower yourself or provide yourself with an opportunity that you otherwise would not have Mm -hmm. And where that resonated with me is if we think about for those that have already been here, so Mm -hmm. forced Africans that are here, then you think about, well, obviously the times were different, but it's still the same concept. So Mm -hmm. you're saying in order for me to have a more comfortable financial life, take care of my children, so on and so forth, I had to remove my hijab so that I could have better business opportunities, right? Yeah. And it was... For for others, it's it was at least way back when it was for survival. Mm-hmm. I need to try and you know act like I'm I'm whitely aligned mm-hmm. because it's an easier life for me. Mm-hmm. It's an easier life if I agree with the slave owner and you know tell of a rebellion or someone mm-hmm. who's going to run away. And then after that, it's easier for me to be white aligned mm-hmm. when it comes to shining shoes and and working as a butler right. or working in you know a mill or whatever and say and not talk badly on right. the dominant culture right uh and then fast forward from there and there's still the idea that in you know in the black community we use the term sellout often 
and you hear the we term, say vatan furush. It's like you're selling your culture, your your right, home, yeah. right. And that's and that's a piece of it. I think there's a distinction between, you know, people say whitewash, right? But what does that really mean, and what, what's behind it? I think that there's a difference between someone who might is a non-white who was raised in that neighborhood, right? So let's take an affluent family from the Middle East and put them in the most expensive place in the country, mm-hmm. and it's 99% white, right? That child is just reflecting what they grew up in. Yeah. And nine times out of 10, their parents are not going to be traditional mm-hmm. in their nature. They're going to be aligned with, or they're going to be ingratiated or associated with that community. They might be bankers or, you know. So I will actually argue or, that. Okay. Because I think in Middle Eastern culture... Um, and I think maybe because of the language barrier, right? They come, you come and you have your own language and especially if they, the parents come in, they may align professionally, but when they're at home, some of that stays like, a, especially when it comes to how you raise your children. For the most part, there's a lot of those rules kind of say, so you'll hear a lot about how young Middle Eastern women, or especially the girls, especially the girls, you know, we weren't allowed to wear makeup. Yeah. yeah, Things like that. Like, so in those contexts, like if, if, if a child was going to align, it was out of rebellion usually. Yeah. I think now, like the current generations are much better. But when I was growing up, my parents weren't like that. I, you know, my parents weren't like that, but I did have friends who, their parents were like that. Yeah. So I, so in that regard, I actually agree with you and we're, we're, we're on the same page. I guess what I'm, what I'm getting at is more of there are, there will distinctly be a difference between the households, but as far as like when the children are going to school oh, yeah. or when the people are, are doing professing, cause we're going back to your point about the purpose of removing the hijab mm-hmm. hijab was for survival is for economics, right? Mm-hmm. It's, and to me, I, I see economics and survival being very closely related. Absolutely. And it's really about like, okay, once you do, there's a difference between someone who grew up in that lifestyle, right? Uh-huh. Like, oh, all my friends at 16 got Porsches bought for them. Right, right. right. Versus, versus someone that says, I came from a different econo- socioeconomic background or I came from a different area, but I'm turning my face in this direction because it's more advantageous for me to change the way that I speak when I'm at work. It's more mm-hmm. ante- advantageous for me to pick up the uniform of those that were at work. Because to your point, there are the nuances, right? When you work in certain industries, people dress mm-hmm. certain ways. And I know in investment banking, for example, you got a Patagonia vest on, and that's part of your uniform. In right? San Francisco. And, <laughs> San Francisco, <laughs> right? Yeah, you, 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 you have a Because certain... I think in New York, it's probably totally different. <laughs> You you have you have certain styles of what you do where you where you go out to eat where you you know your social circles those yeah. sorts of things so yeah. happy um, hour that's huge for happy hour like is a, non-drinkers is a, yeah it's yeah. huge because it's like that's where people go and and bond and, and they have those relationships, relationships mm-hmm. golfing things yep. like that like that where that's where they have those after hour talks and and things so it's like if you don't drink you're not invited right um so you either go and pretend to drink or you give in and drink or yeah yeah, yeah. no and, and 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 that's the interesting part about it is it's it's hard to you understand why people do it and i wonder if there is a way in which we 
which we keep because there's all of us a lot of us keep certain aspects of our culture right we Mm -hmm. keep certain things you know black families are different from Iranian families are different from Indian families are different from Chinese families are different from white families in how they do certain things right Mm -hmm. all the time we might go someplace oh my parents would never let me do that or whatever the case may be but as you get older there are things that you almost feel like you have to do to get to a certain place Mm -hmm. and there are others that just don't do it at all right they're just like you know whatever whatever the consequence is of me not assimilating or not aligning or what have you then i won't what i'm also curious about though is i think there are levels to it mm-hmm. there are certain things that i would never say at work because i'm at work mm-hmm. right but i also wouldn't allow someone to negatively say something about my race mm-hmm. or my ethnicity mm-hmm. In the form of a joke yeah. and let it slide. And some people and I, will. And some yeah. people will allow that yeah. to happen. So when I think about alignment to the dominant culture, and again, this is, you know, depending on where in the world you are, mm-hmm. I just say white alignment here because that's the dominant culture. That's the culture that, that, that set everything in motion. There's a little bit of a difference there, right? To me, those are two different lines, right? Mm-hmm. One is I'm willing to have someone verbally spit in my face and disrespect my culture and not say anything because it's more advantageous for me not to speak out. Right. Right. It's more advantageous for me to keep my relationships or be, you know, okay with whomever. Well, women go through that all the time, right? Putting up with jokes and, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. things about being woman and, and, and whatnot. And you know, we, we do that a lot, like where we just dismiss topics and conversations because if we say something, then, we're the prude we're yeah uh you know we're grandmas or whatever so or we need to lighten up we're uptight yeah things like that and you know but one of the things that really has disturbed me the most about white alignment in in today's world has been really the political alignments mm-hmm. right where you have even with, you know, Iranians I'll talk about, where we have Iranians who have really kind of bought into this whole view of of the world, like this whole view that Trump or capitalism is the way, mm. and which is so not aligned with actual Iranian culture. And they think that, oh, America is going to save Iran from the Islamic Republic <laughs> and and they're going to come and they're going to be the heroes and and it's ironic because they America has never done that. Correct. Right? Like it's like what is it Stockholm syndrome? Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We fall in love with, fall in love with your captain. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it really um disturbs me and I think that this that you know that that alignment with with that has also created a space of racism yes. within our community, which has always been there. I mean, I've been pretty open and honest about it. Iranian community in general has always had this sense of arrogance and pride about itself. We're very proud of our culture. We're very proud of our history of the Persian Empire and <laughs> Cyrus the Great and all of the amazing humanitarian and progressions and contributions that the Iranian or Persian community has made throughout time since the beginning of time. So there's a lot of pride in us. However, 
there's also this, you know, supremacy in us that does align with whiteness. So mm. that, you know, there is, you know, the hierarchy yeah. of race. White is pretty high up there. Yeah. And then some even, you know, idolize white and want to, you know, take us into that culture. And that's why in Iran, unless you're out like in the outskirts and in the villages, people don't wear traditional clothing. They're mm. like yeah, even yeah. even hijab and and stuff in Iran, they're known for being very stylish and westernized. If you walk in Iran, they're like if you ask me what is Iranian traditional clothes, it's like, well, we really don't wear it. Like weddings and things like that we don't wear let me ask you this question because i want to draw a distinction between these two things one i understand what you're saying and and you know the white alignment piece is scary because it shouldn't be white alignment it should be human alignment a hundred percent right it should be if humans are doing something that is beneficial for other humans align with that Mm -hmm. if they're doing something that's not beneficial for other humans then do not align. it should be that cut and dry it should have nothing to do with color, race, gender, or anything like that, it should be, I should not mistreat someone based on their gender, their sexual orientation, the color of their skin, so on and so forth. So that's the first thing. It's not that being it's not that being aligned with white is bad. I could be aligned with white women because they're because there's a wage gap. I could be aligned with white women because they're being mistreated by men. I could be aligned with Iranian folk, you know what I mean? Right, like I could have right. Iranian alignment, yeah, right? Yeah. Because I want you to be able to wear a hijab if you want to or not, and that not impact. I want you to have that choice. I want you to have that choice, yeah. and that not impact whether or not people spit on you or throw, throw acid shit in your at face, you, and... right? Throw acid on you, or whether or not you get a job. Yeah, so yeah. it's really making that distinction because with the white alignment comes a universal acceptance of mm-hmm. everything that is that, right. right? Which in some cases or some silos is the oppression um, of other groups of people, right? Yeah. Black, brown, whatever, whatever color, whatever. So when you talk about the dress in Iran, I'm curious to know, is there a distinction between I want to wear whatever I want to wear like they do in America, or I want to do specifically what white people do? You know what I mean? Like, is part of it just, I just want to do whatever I want to do, and I feel like that's what they do in America. That's a good question, but I don't see how they're separate. Interesting. Yeah, I'm having a hard time separating the two. I feel like they're the same thing. That's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I look at it as separate because I think that there is... This is why I look at it separate. Okay. People will say this is what they do in America, but they lump Americans in together. They know that there's distinctly a hierarchy and there's a racial hierarchy, but they still see black folks for example as american but we set the style okay so you know what i mean like so you can have very distinct styles between how a white suburban woman dresses right and how a black woman from a metropolitan area dresses right she has her natural hair she has bright colors right and it might be very different mm-hmm. than you know the j crew the j crew catalog is going to look different than how yeah. black, you know what i mean so yeah. I'm, I'm looking at it from the perspective of the styles, the music, the cultures, those things vary depending on where you go in the U.S., but it's more the idea that people can, for the most part, do whatever they want to do. Uh-huh. And that's what I'm, that's what I guess what I'm wondering. So I think for them, it's more the American, not necessarily white American. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just 
American style because a lot of the style is more, they do embrace a lot of the urban styles. And I think for them, it's just American. Like I want the freedom that you get in America, because I think a lot of Iranians who come here, who maybe never traveled here before or who, uh, prior to the, the most recent, you know, race riots and protests that have broken out because of the death of, uh, murder of George Floyd. I think a lot of them didn't know. Yeah, how bad or, it was. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. they didn't understand it. And we hear, we hear that from people here. You know, the the conversations that we've been having, people were saying like, I didn't know. I had a conversation with someone who was from India the other day, born and raised there, and he said that he, when he was young, he he listened to um, listen or, or read a book that talked about racism, and he was just like, you know, that kind of had me, you know, startled that I couldn't, you know, necessarily fathom that. Yeah. And coming here and seeing how bad it actually was. Yeah. Um, and I think for some people, it, it definitely is a surprise. But I think, to your point, I think the idea mm-hmm. of America has been sold as a utopia, as a place where yeah. you can do whatever it is that you want to do. Yeah. But when you get here, you realize that's not really the case. Because if you walk around with hijab on, right. even before 9-11, you were still a terrorist and still looked at weird and still wouldn't get a job. You were still, different. You didn't yeah, see you're it di- as much. Exactly. You see it a lot more now. Mm-hmm. I've seen, I mean, and I don't know if it's because we're, um, people are just feeling more empowered to do it or there's just more immigration that has happened. Maybe we've brought in a lot more refugees. I don't know. Yeah. But the, you do definitely, I see it a lot more now than I used to. That's for sure. That's for sure. But I think in Iran, in Iran specifically, I think it's more of the just America. Mm -hmm. But then when you have to break it down and choose, Mm -hmm. then it's going to be. Oh, yeah, absolutely. A white alignment, primarily. Primarily. Just because, you know, that's the propaganda, right? Yeah. You know, especially if you want to add that religious component to it, you Mm -hmm. know, they feel like Obama and here's the here's the irony under obama's leadership with the nuclear deal even though it wasn't a great deal right like uh, for the the people of iran iran was starting to thrive again the people were starting to thrive again mm. right and under this when they got rid of the deal and increased the sanctions and and even uh, prevent are preventing aid from getting into Iran to help with COVID. People are still aligning with the current administration. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Which is so. So this is kind of where it comes into play. Where it's like, yeah. what is your alignment really? What is your issue really? Yeah. Because if your support is for the Iranian people, they weren't dying and starving. Yeah. Under with the nuclear deal under Obama. But now with your current administration, not only are they dying and starving, the economy is starting to crash, was, I should say, but it forced the Iranian government to now form not necessarily very beneficial contracts and bonds with China and Russia, right? Things that are not necessarily great for the country either. Yeah. So they're underestimating the will of that government, right? Whereas with Obama, because his he was listening to advisors who had years of experience yeah. in that environment, who know the Iranian regime uh, leaders and their way they think and whatnot, 
I feel like they were like, we're going to have to work with what we have. Yeah. Which ultimately benefited the people. Yeah. Which is the geopolitical strategy. Right. right? And which then is, if and Russia now, and China swoops in, then that, that's, that's the international, that's the international game. And then what's going to happen to America? Yeah. To what's to America's power if China and Russia and one of the strongest countries in the Middle East. Yeah. Strong or stubborn, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really tell. In the Middle East, it, I think it it's a greater threat. Yeah, I think it's really made it put us in a very unsafe position and closer to another like really devastating world war. Yeah. So, but the alignment's still there. The support is still there. The praise is still there, even though nothing Trump does is aligned with Iranian values. Yeah. Right? Like, there's nothing he's done that aligns. Everything Obama and the Obamas as a family have done is 100% aligned with Iranian values. Mm. Education. Yeah. Class. Dignity. Yeah. Compassion. All of these things that we embody as Iranian, but they're so... these The, the right-wing Iranians are so, like, critical of, which is... That's where the racism, I think, comes in. Got it's it. who are you aligning? Why are you aligning? Why are you aligning? People? Yeah, in a certain thing. Yeah, why and are it, you idolizing? Why are you holding so much value for what this person is saying and this group is saying versus this group? Yeah. When they've done nothing to prove their ability. And if anything, though, if you really look at what's happening, it's really not good for the people. Yeah. It hasn't weakened the regime the way they thought it was going to. When you when you talk about that, I, you know, I wonder not to get too carried away with the with the geopolitical piece of it but you know to your point where if the regime wants to stay in power then they'll help sell that right they'll help sow that mm -hmm. idea because they want to be in power they want to have yeah. you know their foot on people's necks so to speak mm -hmm. or what have you it is interesting you know from a foreign and domestic perspective because there's still the same underlying principle there's still that idea of survival, whether it's the regime who wants to stay in power and not do anything for the people, mm -hmm. or whether it's an individual that says, I'm better off wearing this or looking like this or acting like this or what have you, and then being aligned with the person that is in power, mm -hmm. whether or not that means sacrificing my own culture, sacrificing my own beliefs, sacrificing my own morals even. Mm -hmm. And that's the part for me that you know, is problematic. I don't, I don't necessarily have an issue with, I don't have an issue with people who assimilate to a point where they're almost unrecognizable, mm -hmm. where they adopt everything that the dominant culture does. They change their dress. They change the way they speak. They change their style. I, like, yeah. I the, hate the that. classic, you know, the, the classic, what they call selling out. And I think yeah. you can do, and here's the honest thing. You can do that on both. We see it in both ends, right? You can see the traditional, I'll just go back to a TV show, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Carlton from Fresh Prince, <laughs> right? You, have, yeah, 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 you yeah. have the darkest kid on there that's just like, I'm totally, like he quote unquote acts, I don't want to, we can have another conversation about acting black or acting white or talking black or talking white, whatever. You know what people sound like, yeah, right? Like yeah. you know when it's a black dude talking. And him and Hillary, most of the, yeah. Yeah, so, <laughs> so with him and Hillary like taking that, like I'm in this affluent neighborhood and this yeah. is just how I roll and I want to be, I either want to be accepted or choose to be accepted or I just don't know anything different. Because yeah, that's what they this were raised is, that's around. What, that's what you were raised around, right? So yeah. that's what it is. 
Well, then it's the parents who I feel like my kids are mixed, right? Yeah. But they know what Noruz is. Like we yeah. may not wear traditional clothing. We may not eat Iranian food every day, but they know, they understand Iranian culture. I play backgammon with my son. Like uh, they know Persian music. They know how to read. They know... They don't, they're not fluent yet, but they're learning, they learn how to speak it. They're learning how to speak and, 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 and understand Farsi. So I, I think, I think what, what makes me sad and it's, it's not really my place to tell people how to raise their kids, but I think there's beauty in, in honoring your culture and 100%. holding on to it. And, you know, just having that, you know, live um within you for generations like i want my grandkids like i would love for my kids to marry other mixed persian kids or another persian person just to kind of keep some keep it in us in the family um you know i know i can't control that but i think we all we here's the thing we all want that i don't don't think so i don't no i don't think so i think here's why i say i think we do because when you look at well, maybe we all want it, but don't have the guts to do I, it. I will concede that point. Let me let me explain it a different way. Okay. When I say we all, maybe not a hundred percent of us, but what I'll say is this: I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to keep your culture and do it. The dominant culture does it all the time. Sure. Right, like white people marry white people. Yeah. Right, like yeah. even before now, or even Chinese people. I know, like I have some Chinese friends who they're like. I have to marry Chinese. They were born and raised here. They're like, exactly. I have and, to marry and, a Chinese person. <laughs> and there, there's, let's draw the distinction between, and I know people should just go with who they love. Whatever. I get it. Yeah. Here's the thing. I wanted a black baby. Yeah. That's my prerogative. But, but the other piece is this. It doesn't mean that I don't like white kids. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, you know what I mean. Like, that, or you think he's better than? Yeah, better. Like, yeah. It has nothing to do it has with nothing that. To we do with we that. naturally go with the things that we know and understand. Yeah. If you, it, it, the world is the world, like it or not, is segregated mostly by color. Yeah. Right. Due to demographics. Right. Hunting and gathering. And back in the day, black people were here, white people were here, indigenous folks were here. They look the same way. Yeah. Even when you integrate, you still lean more towards that. Right. Yeah. People yeah. still want legacy. Yeah. They still want, you know, people still want certain physical features. They want skin tones, yeah. all these sorts yeah. of things. I mean, it's I wanted not... my kids. I wanted to marry a Persian when I growing up. Like, that was it. what I wanted. But it just didn't. I didn't, didn't have. I didn't do yeah. that. I mean, there's a lot more to that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's the but... thing. About, it's not it's not a bad thing. Right, it it's it's only if you mistreat other people yeah. that it becomes a bad thing. And I know some will argue that it's hard to have that sort of emphasis and not give everybody the same opportunities. But which is another a completely other a different conversation. But to that end, I think that people want to preserve legacy. Mm-hmm. They want to preserve their culture. And I think to your point, having children that understand that are from two different cultures. And understand both is important. It would be disrespectful for my son not to understand black history to me, right? Because we are black. That's part of your culture. So Mm -hmm. you need to understand some of these things and you need to know the history. And so to your point, it's like, you know, despite where you grow up, Mm -hmm. there is an emphasis on the parents to say you can assimilate when and how you feel like you need to. But giving the idea of selling out. 
to me, which is more about, which is more about saying, I am doing away with everything that represents my culture, mm-hmm. right? It means like, oh, I'm a black person. I'm raising a black kid, but like I'm teaching them no black history. You, I'm still telling you Columbus discovered America. I'm still telling you the founding fathers were great men. I'm mm-hmm. still telling you that, you know, if they say we were savages, then we were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. to me, that's the idea of, like, completely selling out versus versus just saying, I live in a mixed culture or a mm-hmm. mixed race or a, a, a mixed uh, demographic. Yeah. And I'm learning about all the different things that I can, but I still pride myself with understanding, knowing and living the values of my own culture. Right. And I think that there's a way to do that and still function in different arenas, right? Mm-hmm. Because when you go, depending on where you go, you do have to, you know, I can't go to work and, and talk the way I do to my friends. No, right? It you definitely work. can't. <laughs> <laughs> like it's a different thing. So. Now that I know more about you and your friends, you definitely can't do that. You get fired so. or lawsuits or something. So... So to some degree, absolutely, I have to culturally assimilate. Absolutely, <laughs> right. I have to align yeah. with the dominant culture because that's the way that I have to perform in this. Specific I mean, I area. can't, I can't function on Persian time at work. <laughs> Be like late to every meeting. Right. Exactly. Show up when I want to. So I, I agree with that, and I think, I think that, you know, what we've been discussing here about the different reasons why people, you know, there's the assimilation piece. There's the concept of survival. There's a concept of being able to lead a quote-unquote comfortable and normal life. Right. There's the idea of being aligned to white no matter what. Uh There's the idea of being aligned to just the dominant group. There's the idea of saying, well, I need to align to humanity in general. And then there's the assimilation piece, which we all have to do in very small ways or sometimes very large ways. But I think the... I think the important thing for us is not selling your soul, not selling your cultural soul, right? Not allowing people to say negative things about you and your culture, about things that they don't understand about your race, ethnicity, and then also making sure that you understand and teach your children about what it is that's valuable in your culture. Like you said, you mix race, your kids understand what Nehru's is and they know how to celebrate. They can speak Mm -hmm. Farsi, so on and so forth. I think that that's so very, very important. Whether they show that to someone else or not, I think it's important that we keep those sorts of things. They don't have to go out and tell the world and like, you know, be like, I'm proud to be Iranian. I mean, my son has an Iranian flag hanging in his room. I they ordered it themselves online. Like they <laughs> right, went right. one. My uh, older son has a Panamanian flag. My younger son has the Iranian flag, and it's just it's part of their identity. And I agree with you. I, they don't have to go out in the world and like brag about it or you know just constantly talk about it for validation. It's about knowing yourself. Yeah, knowing um, um, as much as you can about. Y- what brought you here, what your ancestors went through, that's part of your story. Yeah. That's part of who you are. That's part of, you know, that it does. I don't necessarily think you have to believe that your ancestors are with you and are, you know, I I still haven't figured that part out yet, but I definitely have seen some interesting connections between me and relatives that I've never met. Yeah. Right. That, that, it's just within me genetically yeah. or spiritually or whatever the connection is. I don't know, 
but it's important for us to know that because it'll help us understand ourselves. Yeah, and, I agree. and I think it's sad. I don't. I mean, I don't want to say sad like I'm looking down on people, but I think it's a missed opportunity for people when they don't look into it, when they don't learn about themselves and their yeah. whole culture. There's a lot of beauty and just connection. Yeah, connecting yourself to the world and in a in a, just a very different way. But I think at the end, to your point our alignment should be more focused on humanity in general yeah. while we bring in all of these beautiful different threads of our cultures and weaving them in together in our individual identities. When we look at each other as human beings, I think that's where the real collective transformations come. That's where all of the problems that we're trying to work through right now can be resolved. If we're looking at it from the collective good of humanity versus the, you know, self-serving what do i get out of it yeah type of thing and that doesn't necessarily mean give more and get less yes it just means while you're getting consider the other people that have helped you get there yeah the other people who are you know that you could be helping get to the same place you are yeah type of a thing yeah so i think that's all very important and it's and it all does impact each other. And I think one of the biggest disservices we do in society today is we try to solve things as if it's one or two, two as, as separate things when you can't really do that. You can't say, because she's a woman, she's A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Right. And that's the problem. Yeah. When it's like, yeah, she's a woman, but she's also black and she's... Yeah christian and she's you know scientist and she's this and that and she believes in you know she believes in pro-choice but she's pro-life herself there's all of these different layers that we are as people and that transcends into everything that we're doing that's why we will never have a perfect president yeah i will never find the perfect partner who agrees with everything I agree with. It's just not the way that we're built and we need to start looking at society that way. There's never going to be the perfect law. There's never going to be the perfect. It's just what is the best thing for the, for the majority of people, not the majority of this type of people, right? (laughs) Like not for this has to be good for my people. It has to be what's the best for everyone. And we won't know that until we start learning and understanding about each other. I can't, I can't speak for you as a black man. I can sit and understand. I can do, I can speak for you a little bit more now and not for you as in not let you speak, but like if you're not around and I need to speak up or if you're in a situation, you're not comfortable, but I can use my lighter complected privilege to, to support you. I know you well enough now to be able to do that, but I couldn't potentially speak for Vietnamese woman. Mm -hmm who recently immigrated here right. because I don't know enough about her story to do that. I can try, but I, I wouldn't really know. Yeah. Right. So it's important for us to learn about each other and listen. And I think that's one thing that, uh, when we align with anything too much, whether it's I'm aligning with being Iranian too much, or I'm aligning with being Muslim too much, or I'm aligning with being white too much, we stop listening. And that's how I think a lot of these, you know, people like Candace Owens and others like that who are so are used by the conservative group as a 
see, this is what, this is what black people should be. <laughs> I think that's what ends up happening yeah. is that you create this false facade of just because this one person has these certain views that aligns with your views that doesn't invalidate the views of these other people who are saying other things. They have other experiences. Yeah. And that's where we mess up is when we say, oh, well, this is this one person and just because they align with me, I'm going to hang on to them as if they are what this group should look like. We can't yeah. do that. We're a myriad of type of people in a myriad of types of ways. That's the danger of assimilating mm. that we do is we tend to forget our values. We tend to forget our empathy. We tend to make one better than the other mm. instead of just taking the beauty of one and bring it in and combining it with the beauty of the other. And like, let's, let's learn from the past and let's not repeat and hang on to the negative things from our cultures. Because as much as I talk and say, oh, I love Iranian culture, there's a lot of negative things about our culture that I'm not proud of. So I just don't bring those into my present. Mm -hmm. I was like, that happened. We could do the same with slavery. That happened. I don't want that to ever happen again. Let's make it right so that people aren't impacted by it anymore. Because it's still going to exist until we make it right for people. It's never going to go away until it's made right and these people and this community is made whole again as much as they can be. And then from here we can say, okay, that was effed up. You good now? Did we make it right? Now let's move forward. Yeah. Right? And so that's kind of where the, the perspective, I think, needs to shift as to how do we assimilate the beauty of both and elevate people and then go as a collective. I couldn't say that better myself. Thank you all for listening to another episode of We're Not So Different. Be sure to follow us on IG at WNS Different. If you have comments or questions, uh, feel free to email us at WNSDifferent at gmail.com. Again, we're on Twitter, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, Spotify, Stitcher. And check out our website, www.wnsdifferent.com. Thanks for listening.